Hello, dear audience. This is Aspen. Um, Welcome to the Grief Wave podcast, uh, episode two. I'm Aspen Johnson, a fellow griever, and um, continuing the episodes. The last episode was like six months ago, so trying to be more consistent with this. (laughs) Um, I know last time I just kind of gave you all the quick version of my grief story and my hopes for what sort of platform this will become. Um, And yeah, we're just going to get right into it. Um, So a huge part of my grief experience has been through childhood, those several years after my stepdad Scott died. This is mainly the sort of grief that I'll be focusing on today, but I would like to encourage you to begin considering different forms of grief, especially um, with children. So for years, I thought that losing my stepdad was the first experience with grief um, and that my grief journey began when he died. But as I got older, I realized that that definitely was not true because there are so many different other ways that we can experience grief, um, any kind of loss. So the first time I recall grief as a child is actually when uh, my dad and brother left the state. We were living in Michigan at the time and I didn't see them for almost three years. Um, And I didn't know when I would see them again either. Um, And it it took me a while to realize that that was actually the first time or, you know, maybe it was actually when my parents split up, which I'm sure a lot of you can relate to. Uh, But so before I really dive into all this, um, let's just take a deep breath together and get centered with yourself for a moment. When was the first time you recall experiencing grief? and how old were you? Some of you may be somewhat surprised at how young of an age you remember. Uh, We have all experienced grief in some shape or form in our lives, especially as children. If you were to Google grief right now, the definition would populate. um, And the first thing that come up on Google is uh, deep sorrow, especially that caused by someone's death. And I know this because I did it just before (laughs) recording. Um, So, wow, a deep sorrow, I guess, is probably the simplest way of explaining it. Um, But there's just so much more complexity to the emotions that encompass grief, as uh, my fellow grievers know. So um, this first grief uh, with my, my dad and my brother leaving the state and me not seeing them, It was buried really deep. Um, I honestly wasn't even aware of its existence until I was about 23 and just going through um, some of my my healing journey and therapy. Um, And yeah, a little bit after that, it was leading up to me moving from Florida to Colorado, which was a really big deal. (laughs) Um, You know, leaving everything I've ever known behind, um, moving out here on my own, just with my cat, like not, um, not, not having anyone. I mean, of course, I had people um, that supported me. But you know, it's really different when you're doing it all on your own like that. Um, So I was getting ready to pack up and leave Florida, move to Colorado, um, and I had a lot of really confusing and meshed emotions that started to reveal themselves during this process, and really it was, yeah, like the whole year leading up to my move, Um, and especially regarding um, my leaving my father and my brothers behind. Um, I have two brothers now. (laughs) When I was younger, I just had the one, but there's two now. 
Um, and the ache that I felt from the anticipation of leaving them behind felt so familiar to me and my body. I was doing therapy, um, processing things using EMDR to help this process. Um, and if you've ever done anything EMDR related, you know I was really in it <laughs> and feeling all my feelings. Um, side note, EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprocessing, I believe is what it stands for. And it's just, um, uh, it's a, a kind of psychotherapy that essentially helps your brain integrate trauma and make it so that triggers aren't so big. Um, so when, when I was doing this particular EMDR session and, you know, in it, feeling all my feelings like ugly crying. Um, I actually had a memory surface from when I was three or four. Um, and it was that day when my dad and my brother said goodbye to me and left. I remembered watching my dad and brother drive away from my apartment that I was living in and knowing that they were moving to Florida and not knowing when I was going to see them again. Uh, I was hysterical. Um, I ran down the winding sidewalk from the parking lot outside our apartment. I ran into the building, into my bedroom, and I hid in the closet and cried. And I actually um, brought this up with my mom after remembering it. And she was like, yeah, that was a really bad day for you. Um, and you were, you were really upset really sad and I, I couldn't do anything to make you feel better. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I had zero memory of this before that session. Um, and I had a huge epiphany and not only remember that day how sad I was, but how sad I was for a long time after that. I was a grieving preschooler. I shared my whole life with my mom, my dad, and my brother up until several months prior to them deciding to move. Um, this was kind of in the, um, in the backlash of my mom and my dad splitting up. Um, so yeah, they, they split up. My dad kept my brother, my mom kept me. Um, and then it was a few months after that that my dad decided he was gonna um, take my brother and move to Florida. Um, <clears throat> so yes, my mom left my dad, we got our own apartment, then Scott moved in, um, my stepdad shortly after that. And I was already trying to adjust to a different environment um, and just having my mom around and then this new guy. <laughs> um, but I missed my brother the most. He and I are the same age. We're actually even closer than Irish twins. Kelson was seven months old when I was born, and we share the same dad, but we have different moms. Uh, Kelson's mom had custody of him for a while, um, but we took him when he wasn't even a year old yet. So we spent every moment together. We had no reason to be apart from one another during those early years, and we grew a very strong bond that left me feeling really empty um, <laughs> after we were split up. Uh, and I had no idea how to handle or process or even think about the weight of the sadness and grief that I had. And at that time, my mom was only 23 herself. Uh, she definitely didn't know what to do to help me. I just remember trying to be happy and spending a lot of time alone when, you know, before it was me and Kelson were just playing together all the time. So I had to learn how to play alone uh, and I latched onto things and people that could help me 
fill this void that I was feeling. And uh, Scott was definitely one of those people that I latched onto pretty quickly. Um, I had just lost part of my family, and then this man enters my life, and he full-heartedly took on the father figure role. Uh, he was a huge reason that I got through that time, he and my mom both. Um, he made me happy and distracted me enough that I tried to forget how much I missed my brother. When it was decided that we were going to move to Florida as well, several years later, I was so happy. Uh, I could not wait to be reunited with my dad and Kelson. And at that point, I hadn't seen them, not even for a single visit, in almost three years. So uh, we moved to Florida. This is me, my mom, and Scott. Um, I had just turned six. Scott never knew his biological father, and he finally found him. Uh, a few years before that and um, at this point he decided that he wanted to move to Florida uh, to get to know his dad and be close to him and um, my mom saw this as the perfect opportunity to get out of Michigan and just start something new all together. Um, So we left our whole family behind and set out on our new adventure. So fast forward a few years later when Scott died Um, At this point, I was eight and a half, so we'd been living in Florida for uh, two and a half years. Um, The the grief of my dad and brother leaving Michigan was repressed and unacknowledged until, honestly, yeah, even way after um, Scott died. And as my fellow grievers know, when uh, one thing happens or another person dies, uh, we just don't feel that singular grief but we feel all the old grief that we felt throughout our lives up until that point as well because the subconscious brain doesn't know the difference between old grief and new grief and you know at that point an eight-year-old I didn't even know what the heck I was feeling um, but it was a lot <laughs> it was all the all the old grief and all the new grief all at once And it's a challenge to convey the specific difficulty that comes with being a grieving child, especially a child who is grieving alone. Uh, I remember the same night that Scott died, my eight-year-old eyes looked up into the sky and smiled looking at the stars. And I remember telling everyone around me, like my mom, um, Scott's dad, Scott's stepmom, Um, I was telling everyone that uh, the brightest star in the sky was Scott, and he was already up there and looking over us, and I was trying to make everyone feel better. Like, already that same night, like, my brain was like, this is not safe. We're not going to feel this uh, big, massive, ugly grief. Um, We're just going to, you know, totally, like, flip the switch, and so... In that moment, it was like I just, you know, turned it off for a little bit and was just trying to make everyone around me feel better, make my my environment, my situation feel safer. And this was a way that my grief manifested in that moment. And also, you know, along with some of my own nature um, and, you know, my own people pleasing tendencies. Uh, My mom was 27 and a now single mom who just tried to revive her boyfriend after cutting him down from the ceiling all while her young daughter watched in terror. So she was in a pretty terrible place for a long time. And I wanted to put on a show for her and let her know that I was okay. 
Because then that was one last thing that she had to worry about and in the big scheme of things. So I smiled as much as I could around her because she was crying so much those months after. And I don't know if my mom noticed how I was really doing or not, or if she did, if she even knew what to do about it. Um, But my guidance counselor at my new elementary school, um, she noticed, and that was really nice. I'll, I'll get into that now. Um, So about a month after Scott died, we moved from Fort Myers, Florida to Sanford, Florida, just outside of Orlando. And um, that's where I spent, you know, the rest of my life, essentially, until I moved to Colorado a few years ago. I was in the middle of third grade, had just entered into a new school and class and completely new environment. I made friends quickly, but it was really difficult to relate to them. all the time really um (laughs) yeah it was it was really hard to relate to them at all unless I pretended to be the happy non-grief ridden Aspen and I remember crying in class a lot um randomly I don't even remember what would make me cry but it would just be the littlest of things like just like reading a book and seeing Scott's name or you know just having a thought cross my mind and it just, you know, overcoming me with emotion. Um, So pretty regularly, I was allowed to go out, leave class and go visit my guidance counselor, Mrs. Williams' office. Um, And my teacher told me whenever I felt like crying or like I couldn't focus because I was so sad that I had a free pass and I could just go hang out with Mrs. Williams. And it wasn't much later that Ms. Williams began telling me about this place called New Hope for Kids. And um, she called my mom and invited her to her office so we could all talk about it. Uh, I remember the pamphlet and the colors on the pamphlet because I think they actually still have the same colors and their logo and everything. Um, But this center truly changed my life. Um, And I I could do a whole episode just talking about New Hope for Kids. (laughs) I'm sure I'll do that at some point. Um, but this is a, a nonprofit that was um, it was a center for grieving children and grieving families. And it had support there, not just for the children, but for the parents as well. Um, so, yeah, I'll talk a little more about that. Um, but I finally had this space that was safe for me to share my feelings and listen to other children who have also been deeply traumatized by loss. I was in a group that they called the special circumstances group, and it was reserved for those children who'd experienced loss by suicide, homicide, or war. This was while the Iraq war was going on, and I had a really good friend in that group, um, a little girl who lost her father, and she was my same age. And I remember that first group when she came in, and she was telling her story and she knew the horrific details of how her father died on the battlefield and I didn't feel so alone in my grief anymore um you know not just with her but like I I have vivid memories of a lot of those kids that were in that group with me and them sharing their story and us just being really vulnerable and open together uh and it was beautiful I I really I miss it I wish I would have kept in touch with some of those kids that were in that group with me (sighs) um all right 
So, yeah, it's so terrible that we all went through such trauma, but it's beautiful that we could come together and find peace in sharing our grief and remembering our loved ones. Um, and, yes, having a safe space to share allowed me to feel into those spaces in my body that held my grief. And over time, I was slowly able to release the pressure of the grief. Um, and I always I like the image of a pressure cooker just slowly letting out bits of steam. And that's kind of like the therapeutic way that um, this group was for me. And honestly, I should have continued attending group at New Hope. Um, but after two years, I was ready to close the door and forget. And I felt like I had done a fair bit of healing. Um, you know, at that time being, I was 10 going on 11, I just had this idea in my head that it was like something that I just had to get over and move on from and that there was going to be this this little hump and then it was like finally I'm on the, on the other side of this. And so after two years, I think I just felt like I should be on the other side of it. And I um, was in a, a better place, but I felt like I didn't need it as much as maybe some other children who had just recently lost someone. So I chose to leave um, to help put the past behind me and make room for other families in need. Um, and I, yeah, 10, almost 11 at this point, uh, I was just about to begin middle school and my mom and I were moving in with her new boyfriend, my, my current stepdad, Chris, and his three daughters. And in my eyes, it seemed like we may as well just change everything in my life. So, you know, we're already like changing schools, moving into an apartment, sharing a bedroom with my sister, like may as well just stop going to New Hope, although it would have been really helpful to have something a little more stable in my life at that point. Um, so yeah, in retrospect with my adult brain, I wish someone had encouraged me to stay, um, but who knows if that would have even changed my mind because I was pretty set on just wanting to put the past behind me and move on with my life. Um, and it's interesting thinking back at this time because for about uh, maybe it was a year and a half almost two years after um after closing that door not continuing to go to group and just wanting to like forget everything um all my grief resurfaced i don't know if it was it was probably a little bit to do with like puberty and hormones and all that but yeah it was um when i was uh the summer between 12 and 13 and when I turned 13 and going into eighth grade that's when it all came up like all the grief just came right back up like full force because um, I'd been just repressing it for two years um, and you know, I didn't realize that I was doing it at that time but you know that's kind of how it is with kids sometimes um, you're not you're not aware really of what is going on and what you're doing until after the fact and then you've got some time to like reflect and analyze on it um, so yes that's a big part of my grief story is just feeling really really alone and like I can't relate to anyone and New Hope was really helpful for that. So if you get anything from this episode, I hope that you just acknowledge um, how serious it is to make sure that the grieving children 
around you and in your life have the adequate support that they need so that these feelings don't get repressed and come back up in really ugly ways. Um, so yeah, continuing on this theme of grief and childhood, I'll do more deep dives into my experiences at New Hope and why it's so important to address grief early and uh, more than just sharing, but feeling. Because when we talk about it and we feel into those spaces where our grief lives in our bodies, it does help us release little bits like that, that pressure cooker image that I gave you earlier. <clears throat> Let's take another deep breath. <laughs> well, I hope this episode has been enlightening in some way. And thank you for listening and giving me a safe space to share my experience. Until next time.